Every week, you know, we pray for a different body of uh, believers besides us because although we are a great church, we are not the greatest church. We're a part of the greatest church. We are part of a body, and that body is bigger than us. And this morning, I want us to pray for Propel Church, which is a brand new church over in Mount Pleasant. The pastor is Pastor Nick and Tori Newman. I had lunch with him earlier this week, and um, they had seven people born again last week on their opening on their opening week. The kingdom of God is being advanced. The kingdom of God is pushing the devil back, and we're a part of it whether we're there or not. But let's lift them up. Will you agree with me in prayer right now? And let's lift them up this morning. So, Father, right now, we just lift up Propel Church. Lord, they're probably having service right now as we speak. Let your blessing and your anointing be made manifest right now as your heart is drawing on people. Lord, let people be open to your heart. Let them be open to your will. Let your will be done in that body. Lord, let wisdom be. Let your anointing be. Let your revelation be. Let your love be made manifest in Propel Church. And Lord, I just ask that you would strengthen Pastor Nick and Tori. Lord, I just ask that you would strengthen them with all your might. And I praise you for it and thank you for it. Thank you for giving us this day in that body of Christ. This is your day in Propel Church today. And we praise you for it and we love you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, praise God. Let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And will you turn the monitor up just a touch on my mic? I feel like I'm trying to yell so I can hear myself. So in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it talks about the God of hope. And this morning the message is, there's hope. There is hope. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what side of the tracks you grew up on or what part of Albemarle. There is hope. For you, and his name is Jesus Christ. So many times when people talk about the hope, they'll say it like this Well, I hope that works out for you, you know. Yeah. Well, I sure hope you don't get caught in that truck with the boomerang sticker on it, John. <laughs> I hope. And what they're really saying is good luck. They're saying, I hope there's probably 50 50 chance, I hope it falls your way. And so hope to people in our modern-day modern language is more luck than it is godly biblical hope. Now, it's interesting that uh, it's taken this turn because it's actually the exact opposite of what we should be doing with hope. Just kind of throwing it up in the air and wherever it lands. That's the exact opposite of, of what we should be doing with God's hope. This verse right here says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had or heard somebody say to you or hear them tell somebody else, Well, 
You don't want to get your hopes up. You know, you don't want to get your hopes up because, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But don't get your hopes up because that way you won't be disappointed. Well, that's anti-God because he is the God of hope. He's the God of hope. The definition of hope by the Bible is not anywhere close to luck. It's not anywhere close to 50-50. The definition of hope is a joyful, confident expectation or an anticipation of God's goodness to come through. It's an anticipation. It's a, it's a readiness. I often have used this uh, this example, you know, let's say to describe hope, this is something that the Lord gave me probably 15 years ago. He is, let's say that you believed what I said. Um, let's hope that you do that anyway. But let's say that really this morning you really believed me, right? And I told you that, that I mailed you a check and I sent it FedEx. You know, it's one of those letters you got to sign. And the check was for $1 million. And I got a tracking number, and it tells me that tracking number is going to, that, that check is going to be at your house tomorrow at 2 p.m., right? Now, if you don't believe me, you'll be like, well, whatever, Brian, you know. Yeah, I, I hope you told me the truth <laughs> in today's language. But if you really believe me, what's going to be going on at your house at about 155? You're going to be like sitting at the door. You're going to have the door open. You know, it's not like closing everything. We're going to have the door open. We got, we got the pane of glass. You know, and I can, you know, if it was me, I'd be like this. Blinds open. Like, where's the truck at? Where's the truck at? Why? Because I'm in hope. Now, if I really, if you really believe me, are you going to have some joy? Your life's about to change, isn't it? Right? Are you, if you really believed me, are you confident that that check's going to be there because I said it would? You're confident. You're at home. Are, you know, if, the, if you really believe me and, and I said that, are you going to work tomorrow? Probably not. You'll probably be like, they can take care of it themselves. I got something to pick up at the house, right? Why? Because you're confident. Are you in expectation if you really believe me? You've got an expectancy. Life is about to change. This is what hope is. It's an anticipation of the good things of God. It's an anticipation that what God says is true and it will come to pass. You know, we talked this morning about John 10.10 that says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But God said, through the heart of the Father, Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and life in abundance. Amen. The Amplified Bible shows us even the deeper meaning of that, which says, till, it, till life is full and till life is overflowing out of you. And see, if we're going to get in hope, then we start seeing promises like that as a child and say, Man, I have a joy over that promise. I have, an, I have a confidence. I have a confidence over that. I have an expectancy over God's promises. This is what hope is. And so the devil is constantly going around trying to steal hope from us. 
Matter of fact, you know, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, I think it is, it says that love, hope, and faith, these are the things that will abide. These are the things that will remain. These are the things that will stand. I can apply faith. I can apply hope. I can apply love. And when I do that, these things will stand. Over in Romans chapter 5, it says, Hope does not disappoint. In other words, hope is one of the main keys and one of the pillars of Christianity. And yet, we constantly let our hope be uh, stripped and stolen from us by receiving bad news, by receiving you know, uh, a report from a doctor, by receiving a phone call from an employee telling us something at, at work is messed up or broken or this thing's just not going to go right. And we allow hope to just drain out of us. And what are we doing? What we are accepting is something that is anti-God. Because God is the God of hope. In other words, God is a God of joy. God is a God of confidence. God is a God of expectation and anticipation. It's who he is. It's more than just something we should be looking forward to. This is character and nature of God himself. Just like God is love, God is a God of hope. It's his makeup. It's his nature. So for us to let go of hope, what are we letting go of or who? We're letting go of God. It is completely ungodly for us to be believers who let go of hope and don't actually grab a hold of hope and make it ours. That's unbelieving. It's ungodly. It's contrary to who he is. We ought to be the kind of people that will pick up hope, that are looking for joy, looking for that confidence in him and in his promises, looking for, for that expectation and anticipation. That's exactly what a child does. Childlike faith is doing exactly that. Man, they're always looking for the best. They don't believe in the worst. They, they believe in the best. Lots of times you can tell a kid that God wants them healed and it'll be, man, just let them pray. I mean, adult, get out of the way. Why? Because that kid's like, well, God said it, it's happening. Bam. And it'll be released. Nicole and I learned that lesson when we started letting our kids pray for themselves. We'd be like, oh, please, God, help us, help us, help us. Oh, Jesus. You know, and, and then we'd be, they'd be like, I'm healed. <laughs> and they'd be fine. You know, and all of a sudden, it just, that's it. That's the heart that we should carry around as believers, a childlike faith in God that allows our hope to be not only established, but flourish. We're not to be without hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know. Now, the context that we're talking about here is for people that have died and have gone on, that we shouldn't be without hope. But there's a principle of God here, knowing that God is hope himself. The point is that we are to be, as believers, the kind of people that grow in our knowledge that God is hope. And he's saying, I want you to know. 
What does he want us to know? Go to the end of the verse. He wants us to know that we are not like those who grieve, who have no hope. We are a people of hope because we are a people of God. We need that hope in us and alive and growing. If we're not doing that, we are not fulfilling the character and nature of God. We're not growing up into the fullness of the stature of Christ without hope. I I said this earlier, but our hope in Christ will stand. Romans 5.5 says, hope will not disappoint. See, a lot of times people won't pick up hope because they really do not know who God is. I don't want to pick up hope because I might be disappointed. But if they will pick up hope and not let go of it, pick up the joy of God, the confidence of God, the expectation of God, and I'm not letting go of this, God makes this promise to them. You won't be disappointed. Because hope in me is not something that can fail unless you fail hope. That's the only way it fails is if you let it go. It's interesting in Romans 8.24 it says this, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? What this is saying is this, Do you need hope when you see the thing? No, you need hope when you can't see it with your physical eyes before it's manifested. And a lot of people will say, well, I'll get my hopes up when I see it. No, that's not the time that you need hope. You are supposed to put hope on to accept the character and nature of God while you can't see the promise manifested yet in the physical. You're supposed to say, now's the time to put on hope. Now's when I need it. I don't need hope later on once it's here. You know, Let's say the bank account's empty. I don't need hope once it gets full. I need hope before it gets full. I need, I need to have hope before the healing is manifested, before life is manifested, before restoration comes. That's when I look to the character of nature of God and take hope that's when hope is necessary that's when it's needed you know and let's turn real quick to Acts 27 20 and this is when Paul was on his journey he's on the ship and they've been going around the best we can tell is they got in the middle of a hurricane in the middle of this tempest and that thing would not let them out. And they had been stuck in it for weeks and weeks. And they have gotten to the place now where it looks like hope is lost. It says this statement, Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us. In other words, this wasn't just a little one that was beating us up. From then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. And what this shows us right here is is the way that the devil works. See, if hope doesn't disappoint, does not the devil want to strip you of hope? And how does he do it? Does he just come all out and say, God's a liar? No, because he knows you'll stand up to that and say, no, he is not. So what he does is he just starts to grate on you. He just starts to gradually... Chip away at your hope. 
He'll throw you in the midst of a storm till it beats you down enough where you allow my hope to start to be stolen. And then all of a sudden, you get to the place and you've got no hope left. And what you've done, spiritually speaking, is handed him all the keys to destroy you. Thank goodness on this particular boat, there was somebody that did not let go of hope. His name was Paul. He heard from God. They did what God said. They came out of it. And no one was lost. But it's really interesting to see this is exactly what happens. Um, I go into my room of tricks over here. Why is it half the time when I come out of that room, it's always with a rope? I don't know. This is, but let me show you something. I, I need, Joe, will you come help me, please? I'm a, yeah, a little bit. Just kind of do a lasso here. And if you'll stand over here and just follow my lead. This is what the devil does to the believer. Is the first thing that he'll do is he'll try to take the hope that's in us and he'll try to bind it up. So just throw it around me, around my arms. That was very uncowboyish, Joe. <laughs> and and then once he gets it around you, he'll start to tighten the bondage and tighten the grip. There you go. And then he'll start to do exactly what Joe was doing. Now, let me have a little bit of rope so we can make this. All right. So he'll get that, and he'll try to bind up my hope. And then he'll start pulling. And he'll start taking me away from hope and away from God and pulling you over into the devil's playground. Now, see, I can resist a little bit, but if I don't resist quickly, the problem is... And let's just keep going over there. And if you can have continuous motion, I won't be able to stop you. See, I might be able to stop him a little bit if I hold back on it here. But if he's got continuous motion, it's going to be hard for me to break that momentum. And all of a sudden, I'm over here. My hope is completely bound up. And I'm playing in the devil's playground. And he knows it. Yeah. Now let's, let's replay this. What he'll do is he'll continue to gradually tighten and gradually pull you in his direction with hope. Our job with hope is to say hope is God. God is who I need to be. So I need to hold on to hope. Now the first thing is this. When he gets and he tries to bind that hope, right? Come over here. Let's say, because the devil's sneaky, I'm going to turn my back. And then, so, when I'm sitting here and I'm trying to have hope in God and he comes over, well, the very first thing is, as soon as I feel the instance that's not God, I need to be getting that thing off of me. I need to start praising God. I need to start looking to the God of hope. I need to make sure that I don't sit there. And this is why it's so important to know the character and nature of God. Because if I don't know the character and nature of God, do I recognize the bondage? See, if I don't know God, I don't recognize it. 
And then all of a sudden, he's, he, well, he's, not, he's, he's ruthless. He's not going to give you time to recover. The only thing that gives you time to recover is the mercy and grace of God. And our job is to resist the devil. See, if we don't even know that God is a God of hope and we don't know that we're supposed to put on hope and, and carry hope and expand hope, then what we're going to do is every time we feel this and we feel him doing this, we'll be like, oh, well, I guess this is God's will. Oh, well, and we'll just be led around all of our lives by the devil straight out of hope. But at some point, we've got to wake up. Now, sometimes we'll get in bondage. We won't feel the noose kind of constricting around us, right? We won't feel that. But then all of a sudden, we start feeling something tightening. And, and here's what happens in, to a believer. The Holy Spirit all of a sudden says, Hey, there's a rope tightening around you. There's a bondage there. And our job is to be tuned in to his voice and go, Wait a minute. This is not God. And wake up to it. And at that point, if we will put on Jesus, we are empowered to break that through the anointing of Christ and throw that rope back at him. Sometimes, though, that thing's already really tight, and, and he's starting to tug. Well, who's supposed to resist the devil? Is it God's job to do that? The Word says you resist the devil. So at some point you go, no, no. I'm resisting him, and how do you resist him? You say, I take my hope in God. He, he is bigger and stronger. This sickness has no part with me. That is not God. You start loosening the bound, and then you throw it off, and you let go of it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. But he will work to gradually, and see if you'll just resist it right away, it's so much easier if you'll recognize this is not God and you'll throw it off of you. But if you don't resist it right away, he's already got some momentum in there and he'll gradually uh, trap you, try to hold you in bondage until you've got no other choice but to run along right beside, behind him like a little dog. That's what the devil's trying to do. It's our job to say, no, I resist that. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's a family member that doesn't know God and, or is heading in the wrong way. And the devil will say, there's no hope, they're never coming back. And your job is to say, uh-uh, there is hope. My God can change all things. No weapon formed against that family member will prosper and you, you break out of those bonds. Maybe the doctor's report says you shouldn't have any hope left. You've got no hope. No, no. I have Jesus, and in Him, He is the God of hope. I got hope. I'm a believer. It doesn't matter what it is. There's hope in Christ. As we wrap up, we'll just go to this verse in Romans 15, 13 again. And let me read this in a totally different way now that you've heard this message. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and fill you with all peace in believing. You're the one who chooses to believe. You're the one who decides, I'm going to believe in hope. I'm going to believe in joy. I'm going to believe in His peace. I'm going to believe and the God of hope will fill me so that I will abound in hope, in joy, in confidence, in expectation. I will abound in it by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Now I say to you, may the God of hope fill you with all hope and joy and peace and abound in hope through the Holy Spirit today in Jesus' name. Let's just stand. Lord, we just thank you. We are not the kind of people that shrink back. We are not the kind of people that allow bondages to stay around us. We are the kind of people that instantly recognize anti-hope, anti-God. We throw off the noose of it. We let go of that bondage. We throw it off. We resist it. We put on hope. And we stand in hope. And we abound in hope. We abound in joy. We abound in confidence. We abound in anticipation of the goodness and the love of God. And we will not shrink from it. We will not step back. We will have the promises of God. Because your word says we will do that and abound when we believe. And Lord, today we believe in you as the God of hope. In Jesus' name. And just say this with me. Just say, I release... All bondage that is not hope. And I receive the fullness of the hope of God in my life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you so much for being here. If today is your first day here, we have a gift for you. Jeff and Tara are going to stand right over here by the bookshelf. And we just want to love on you. If you need prayer... Just go over. They will also pray and lift you up. Doesn't matter what it is. God is a God of hope. I don't care how it's felt or what it seemed like. There's hope in Jesus. So receive his hope as we pray this morning. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless everybody. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Remember the stickers by the door.